Well, good morning again. We are very excited today that we're going to begin a brand new series entitled Make Room for the King. And I want to just encourage you uh, to go ahead and take some time this week and invite somebody to come and join you in church this month. This is the, the celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ. And uh, Christmas and Easter, right, are the two times of year that people that normally aren't in church think about going to church and think about getting connected and being a part of what God is doing. And so I want to encourage you this morning to take some time uh, this week and over the next few weeks and really invite your family, your friends, your coworkers, and say, hey, come join us. We're doing a special thing at church this month for Christmas and come and be a part of that. And so this morning we're going to begin uh, just a brand new series entitled Make Room for the King. And we're going to talk about over the next four weeks uh, really how we can consistently uh, create a place in our heart and in our lives for Jesus Christ. How many of you realize that Christmas is not about one day a year, amen? Uh, that Christianity is about 365 days a year. We get the joy, the opportunity, and the honor of celebrating King Jesus, amen, of celebrating the one who died for us, was born of a virgin in a manger and died on a cross and rose again on the third day, and we get an opportunity to celebrate Him and worship Him 365 days a year. And that is an awesome honor and awesome privilege that we get to share as Christians. But how many of you realize that during the Christmas season, uh, there is an escalation or an elevation in the intensity of our busyness, right? When you talk to most people, uh, most people in America are already busy. Busy, right? You ever talk to somebody, how you doing, man? We're just so busy, right? We're running here and we're running there. And in and, and Christmas, in the month of December, unfortunately, uh, because of all the added activities, right, we get an elevated, escalated intensity in our busyness. And so I want to just encourage us over the next few weeks that we would make sure that in the intensity of our schedules that we don't lose the one that it's all about, amen, that we don't forget about Jesus, that we don't make room for the one uh, who was born that we might live, amen, and so what an awesome opportunity we're going to have over the next four weeks together. So let's look together in Luke chapter 2, uh, verse 7, just kind of a snidbit of scripture uh, from the story of the birth of Jesus Christ, and the Bible says, and she, speaking of Mary, brought forth her firstborn son, Jesus, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And she wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Let's look in John chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. It's the story of Jesus meeting with what is called the Samaritan woman at the well. And the Bible says, and then the woman of Samaria said to Jesus, how is it that you being a Jew ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked of him and he would have given you living Water. Let's look at that first point on your outline because here is kind of the thought that we want to kind of focus our attention on over the next four weeks. If we knew, this is what I believe, if we only knew who Jesus was and the gift of God that he brings into our lives, then we would make room for him every day of our lives. 
Now, you might say, well, Pastor Keith, I'm a Christian. I've been in church all my life. I've read the Bible. I've heard a thousand sermons, and I know who Jesus is. Well, I understand that. I realize that if you've been in church for any amount of time, if you've been a Christian for a while, you probably know who Jesus is. But how many of you realize sometimes we just need a fresh revelation of an old truth? Sometimes we need to see the one in whom we are living for and loving and serving in a brand new light. And so over the next four weeks, we're kind of just going to take a fresh perspective of who Jesus is. And we're going to look at four unique characteristics of who he is and not only talk about who he is, but the gift that he brings into our lives. Jesus told the woman at the well, if you only knew who I was... And if you only knew the gift of God that I had to give you, then you would ask of me and I would give you living water. Jesus said to this lady, if she only knew who he was, and if she only understood the gift that God had to give her, then she would be asking of God to give her living water. And I just had this thought. Think about it for just a minute. We started out in Luke chapter 2, and the Bible says Jesus was wrapped in swaddling clothes, laid in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Think about it for just a minute. If the innkeeper only knew, right, if he only knew who Mary and Joseph were, if he would have only knew the gift of God that was about to be birthed into the world through Jesus Christ, how many of you realize if he would have only knew who they were and what God was about to do, he would have made room in his end, right? If he would have only known who they were, he would have made room. If he would have only knew the gift of God that was about to be literally presented to the world, that history was about to be forever marked and changed, and the world was going to be transformed by one event that was going to happen on a starry night in Bethlehem, this guy would have made room in his end for Jesus, right? It would have actually probably been the greatest marketing tool he could have ever had, right? Come to my inn where Jesus was born, right? But this guy missed the moment, right? This guy missed the moment because he didn't know. He didn't really know who Mary and Joseph were. He didn't really know who Jesus was. And he didn't really understand the gift of God that was about to be delivered to humanity right there could have been in his end, but he missed it. And I want to just say that over the next four weeks, I believe God wants to give us a fresh perspective. I believe that God wants us to see Jesus maybe in a fresh light, a new perspective, where we begin to understand really who he is and the gift of God that he wants to bring into our lives. Because I believe this with all my heart. I believe that if we really know who he is, we'll make room for him. If we really understand the gift of God that he wants to bring into our lives, we will make room for Jesus. Not just on Christmas morning, not just Easter morning, not just on Sunday morning, but we'll actually begin to make room for Jesus every single day of our lives. Why? Because we know who he is and we understand the gift of God that he brings into our lives. So let's talk about that this morning. So look at that next point. So who is he? And what gift does he bring? Who is Jesus and what gift does he bring? Let's look at that next point. He is the God of hope. 
He is the God of hope, and He brings the gift of hope into our lives. Who is Jesus? He's the God of hope. And what does He bring? He brings the gift of hope into our lives. Let's look in Romans chapter 15, and then we'll come back to that point on the screen. Look what the Scripture says in Romans 15, verse 13. I want you all to see this with me. It says, Now may the God of hope, y'all say that with me, may the God of hope, let's say it one more time, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope. Y'all say that with me. That you may abound in hope. Let's say it one more time. That you may abound in hope. Look what it says. By the power of the Holy Spirit. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, and may you abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Who is Jesus? He's the God of hope. And you know what I found out about hope? I found out that if you don't have hope, you don't have anything. I don't know about all you ladies in here, but uh, Kelly loves all these little Hallmark Christmas movies. Right, and so, uh, so my uh, husbandly duty is at night before we go to bed, we have to watch one of those movies, Daryl. One, two, three, how, right, yeah, yeah. Richard, understand. I, I got some empathy in the house here today. And you know what I've noticed about every one of those movies? They all really revolve around one thing. Let's give some people some hope. Some hope. Why, why in the world would my wife DVR all those movies? Why would all of you ladies DVR those movies? Why would y'all make us men watch those movies? Let me tell you why. Because the world is desperate for hope. Right? Because if you lose your hope, you've lost everything. When you lose your hope, you actually begin to wither and die from the inside out. Right? When you think about what happens, and we've all been there, right? We've all had moments in our lives where we felt hopeless, where we felt like there was no hope, there was no anticipation or expectation for anything good, that nothing's going to change, and no matter how hard I try and try, nothing's going to turn around, and no matter what I do, nothing's ever going to turn in my favor. And we've all had those moments in our lives where we felt hopeless. And you know what happened when you lost your hope? You lost your life. And something on the inside of you began to wither and die. You started dying spiritually. You started dying emotionally. You started dying relationally. And if you stay there long enough, you'll actually die physically. We have all seen people who have lost their lives because they lost their hope. Now, you flip the coin, right, and we've seen people on their deathbed that seemingly refused to die, <laughs> right? And they just kept holding on and holding on and holding on. Why were they holding on? Because they were, they were holding on, right? We always say, well, they were, they were waiting for something. They were waiting for someone. They were waiting for something to happen. They had hope that somehow, for some way, in some form or some fashion, they needed to meet with somebody, talk to somebody, or something needed to happen before they could have peace to let go and go on. That's the power of hope. Hope will sustain you. Hope will empower you. Hope will transform you. Hope will change your world. And guess what? We serve the God of hope. And every time, think about this, every time you make room, Every time you make room in your heart for Jesus, every time you make room in your life for Jesus, every time you make room in your thoughts for Jesus, every time you make room in your schedule for Jesus, you know what you're doing? You are inviting the God of hope 
to come into your heart, to come into your life, to come into your schedule, to come into your finances, to come into your marriage, to come into your ministry, to come into your future. Every time you make room for Jesus, you're making room for the God of hope to step in. What is hope? Well, hope is literally, in the simplest definition, it is an expectation for good. See, when you have hope, you expect something good is going to happen, right? There is this expectation. I was just thinking about that. That expectation of hope, that expectation of good creates an anticipation, but it also creates a celebration, right? You get around somebody that loves to celebrate life, and let me tell you what I can tell you about that person. They have hope, right? They have hope. They have hope. Why do we know they have hope? Because there is an anticipation and there is a celebration that is happening in their life. And I want to just say to you today, I believe that, that as we celebrate Christmas, this ought to be the greatest celebration of our lives. We ought to celebrate every day the coming of our King, His birth, His death, His resurrection, and the fact that He's coming again. Amen? And if you have hope, right, if you have hope, you have an expectation that somehow, some way, the circumstances and situations of my life are going to turn around and I'm going to come out on the other side with the glory of God, with the promise of God, with the blessing of God, and with the realization that what I have hope for has one day become a reality. Now, if you listen to the world, the world will tell you really intelligent things like this. Don't get your hopes up. Right? That's the message of the world. The world actually will tell you, don't get your hopes up. Right? And we've probably all maybe even been guilty of thinking that, maybe even saying that to other people. Right? Well, whatever you do, just, just don't get your hopes up. Well, Pastor Keith, the reason I say that is I don't want people to be disappointed, right? Because if they get their hopes up, then they're going to get disappointed. If you don't have any hope, you can never be disappointed. You're right. And if you don't have any hope, you don't have any life. The Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 11. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the substance of things hoped for. Whenever I remove my hope, there is no need for faith. Faith is the foundation stone of my hope. Faith is the thing, hope is the thing that gives my, my faith something to focus its belief and its attention on. And Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says this, that without faith it's impossible to please God. So when you remove my hope, guess what you remove? You remove my faith. And without faith, I can't please God. Why can't I please God? Because Hebrews eleven six 6 goes on and says this. It says, they that come to God must believe that He is. Yes. See, when you lose your hope, you stop coming to God. I mean, let's just think about it in our own lives. When you lose your hope, you stop coming to God. When you lose your hope about a certain situation or circumstance in your life, you know what you do? You actually stop praying about it. You stop praying about that. Well, I used to pray about it, but I don't pray about that no more. When you lose your hope, you stop coming to God. You stop praying. You stop reading your Bible. You stop declaring the Word. You stop coming to church. You stop connecting with other Christians. You just stop. Why? Because without faith it's impossible to please God because they that come to God must believe that He is. If you remove my hope, then you remove my faith. If you remove my faith, then there's nothing that is compelling me to come to God. Why? Because there is no longer an expectation of good. If I don't expect anything to change, I don't need to pray. 
If I don't expect anything to change, I don't need to read my Bible. If I don't expect anything to change, I don't need to make room in my heart for God because if nothing's going to change, what does it matter? So there has to be an expectation of hope. There has to be an expectation of good. And here's the great good news. We serve the God of hope. And God doesn't say, hey, whatever you do, don't get your hopes up. God says, I want you to abound in hope. I want you to abound in hope. Why? Because hope causes you to draw near. Hope draw causes you to press in. Hope causes you to hold on, right? When you have hope, you can endure the storms and difficulties of life. When you have hope, you can endure those things. When you lose hope, you begin to yield to the circumstances and situations of your life. See, when you have hope, you rise up in opposition to what's coming against you. But when you lose your hope, you lay down and allow what's coming against you to begin to rule over your life. And you become dictated by your circumstances and your situation. I remember one time I was talking to a lady in our church, and she said, well, Pastor Keith, how are you doing today? I said, well, I'm doing pretty good under the circumstances. She said, well, what are you doing under there? What are you doing under there? Right? Hope causes you to rise above your circumstances. Hope causes you to look beyond your circumstances. Hope causes you to begin to believe that there is an expectation of good that God can and will and desires to do good, amazing, marvelous, wonderful things in our lives. But if I lose my hope, I've lost my life. I no longer draw near to know who he is. So let's talk a little bit more about hope. Look at that next point on your outline. I want you to see this. So hope, I want you to see, is an inside job. Hope is an inside job. It is a gift from God that we receive through the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. Hope is an inside job. It is a gift from God that we receive by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, you can operate off of an external hope. What is an external hope? An external hope is an expectation for good that is the result of what you see, feel, touch, and taste, and perceive in the natural. Right? It's an external hope, and we've all experienced that, right? You start seeing good things happen in your life. You start seeing progress happen. You start seeing your prayers answered. You start seeing good things coming together, and all of a sudden you get really excited. Hey, this is going to happen. God's going to do what he said he's going to do. This is going to come together. Amazing things are going to happen. And then all of a sudden, something happens. Because an external hope is based on circumstance. But the hope that comes from God is an inside job. It's an internal hope. It's an internal hope that is not based upon the external circumstances of life. It is based upon the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And that's the living hope that God wants us to have. When we make room for Jesus, we're making room for the God of hope and the gift of hope to begin to abound on the inside of us. It is an expectation for good that is not based upon what I see. It is based upon what God has said and spoken and is doing by His Spirit in my heart and in my life. And it is that hope that will sustain you. I mean, think about it. 
When you can see the good things happening, you really don't need hope. Because you can see, hey, this is falling into place, and this is falling into place, and this is falling into place. You know when you need hope? You need hope when you can't see the good. You need hope when the circumstantial evidence of your life is standing in opposition against what you're believing God to do. That's when you need hope. And if all you and I operate off of is an external hope that's based off what we can see, then we live, y'all have heard me say it before, that roller coaster Christian life where we're excited one day and discouraged one day and excited one day and discouraged one day. Why? Because we're basing our expectation of good off of what we can see and perceive in the natural instead of allowing an internal hope that comes through making room in our heart and our lives for Jesus to allow the Holy Spirit to cause us to abound with hope so that there is an expectation that God is going to do what God has said He would do because God is good, amen, and He loves me, and He cares about me, and He is working in my favor, and even when I can't see it, touch it, taste it, or feel it, God is still God, amen? And I have hope. Why? Because everything's working out? No, I have hope because God has poured out His Spirit on the inside of me, and He is causing me through the gift of hope that comes through the person of the Holy Spirit to abound on the inside with an expectation for good that comes from God. And that's an awesome thing. Hope is an inside job. Now, the last part of that statement says this. It says, that's why being around hopeful people when you have no hope makes you more hopeless. Think about it for a minute. If you've ever been in one of those hopeless situations and you get around people that are exuding hope, it not only makes you sick, it probably makes you mad. Right? Right? Because you have no hope and they're just, they're just overflowing with hope. Right? And they're excited and they're anticipating, they're celebrating everything that's going on in their world, everything that's going on in their life, and you're sitting there on the inside with no hope, and all of a sudden you get around them and you don't get excited, you get mad, you don't get fired up, you get discouraged. Why? Because all of a sudden the devil begins to remind you how hopeless you really are. And he begins to point out how that they can have hope and how that God will work for them and how that God will do that for them. But look at you, nothing's ever going to change. Nothing's ever going to change. Nothing's ever going to change. That's what the devil says. That's the whispers and the lies and the accusations of the enemy that he makes. And all of a sudden we go to church and there's hopeful people and we leave more discouraged than when we came in. Why? Because hope is an inside job. Let me give you a scripture out of Proverbs. This is kind of a little twist on it, but I believe it drives the point home. Proverbs 27, 14 says, A loud and a cheerful greeting early in the morning will be taken as a curse. A loud and a cheerful greeting early in the morning will be taken as a curse. Now, I asked this question at the 8 o'clock service, and they all raised their hands because it was the 8 o'clock service, so I think this one may be a little bit different. How many morning people we got in here today? There we go. That looks a little better. Uh, how many morning people live with people that are not morning people? How many of you know that when you get up, right, I'm a morning person. My family is not necessarily morning people. So I get up, I'm excited. My feet hit the ground, I'm ready for the day. I am fired up about my life, fired up about my day, fired up about the moment, fired up about what God is going to do, and I am ready to conquer the world just as soon as my feet hit the ground. Right? That's an awesome thing. But if you're not a morning person, right, and you go in there as a morning person and you try to wake up the non-morning person, 
How many know they do not get excited because you're excited? They do not get happy because you're happy. Right? As a matter of fact, your joy makes them mad. I had a guy after the first service this morning, he came up to me, he said, hey, Pastor Keith, I thought I'd share this bumper sticker I saw with you. He said, I saw this bumper sticker, I thought it was awesome. He said, some mornings I wake up grumpy, but most mornings I just let her sleep. <laughs> some, <laughs> right? The same thing is true about hope. Now, if you're full of hope and you get around hopeful people, it excites you and makes you more hopeful. But if you have no hope and you get around hopeful people, it actually discourages you because you realize how hopeless you really are. Now, let me just say this to all you hopeful people out here. I hope we got a bunch of you, and I hope when we leave today we're going to be full of hope. Let me, let me encourage you in something. We have to learn. We have to learn not just to exude hope, but we have to learn how to minister hope. And when you minister hope, ministering hope is different than exuding hope. When we exude hope, there's anticipation and there's celebration. But when we minister hope, we recognize something different. We recognize that it's not about me being excited about what God is doing. It's about the God of hope ministering through me to somebody that has no hope. And so what has to happen when we minister hope is we have to be wise and smart enough by the Holy Spirit to come into a person that is struggling and lost their hope and not overwhelm them with our hopefulness, but actually minister to them the God of hope. And so that's what it means to minister hope. Ministering hope is not about exuding hope because you can get on somebody's nerves. Ministering hope is about coming along somebody that is hopeless and not overwhelming them with your hope, but actually ministering the God of hope in such a way because sometimes when you minister hope, you cry with people. And sometimes when you minister hope, you mourn with people. And sometimes when you minister hope, you grieve with people. Well, Pastor Keith, that doesn't sound anything like hope. It's not. It's called the ministry of hope. Hope is an expectation. Hope is an anticipation. Hope is a celebration. But the ministry of hope means that I connect with the hopelessness in the heart of a person and begin to minister to them the God of hope so that they can begin to experience the inner workings of a holy God who wants to work in their life to bring hope to their hopelessness. And that's a powerful thing. And so we have to recognize as ministers of hope that we sometimes have to weep with people and we have to grieve with people and we have to mourn with people. But as recipients of hope, we get to celebrate the goodness and the anticipation and the expectation of what we believe and know that God is going to do in spite of our circumstance. Let me give you our last thought. I want you to see this. So we don't lose hope because our circumstances overwhelm us. We lose hope because we stop making room for Jesus. 
Now, we automatically assume that when we lose hope, we lose hope because life has become overwhelming, but that's not true. We don't lose hope because of the overwhelming circumstances of life. We lose hope because we stop making room for the God of hope. And when you stop making room for the God of hope because hope is an inside job, then all of a sudden you begin to lose hope. Because think about this. Think about there have been times in your life when you were consistently and intimately connected to God and you walked through some deep, dark valleys, and in spite of the circumstances surrounding you, you still had hope. You ever been there? You ever been walked through some of those valleys? And yet, even in the midst of those overwhelming circumstances, because you were, you were rightly connected to God, you walked through that valley and you, you maintained your hope. But now flip the coin for a minute because we've all experienced this. We've all had little things happen to us that knocked the hope out of us. Not because it was a monumental circumstance, but because we had allowed the busyness of our life to rob us from making room for Jesus on a daily basis. And so you walk through a 10-year battle with depression, but yet you get took out by a late notice on your electric bill. Isn't it crazy? Because why? Because we don't lose our hope based on overwhelming circumstances. We lose our hope when we stop making room for the God of hope. And this is what happens. This is how the enemy wiggles his way into our lives. He tries to use the overwhelming circumstances of our lives to push us into a place where we try to fix ourselves. I mean, think about how many, how many nights you have laid awake trying to figure out what you're going to do. How much anxiety, let me just say this to you, anxiety, worry, and fear are indicators that you are losing hope. Anxiety, worry, and fear are indicators that you are losing hope. And when you begin to feel, this is awesome because God has already custom built divine DNA into your life, these little red light indicators that when you start feeling yourself getting anxious or you start feeling yourself worry or you start feeling yourself becoming fearful, that should be a red light alarm going off in your head that says you need to make room for Jesus. Your life has become so crowded and so busy that you have not made room for the God of hope to cause his hope to abound on the inside of you. The problem is not your circumstance. The problem is that you have allowed your circumstance to fill your life to the point that you no longer make room for Jesus Christ. The Lord said to me yesterday, I was praying and just preparing for today, and the Lord said to Keith, he said, most, of, most people's lives are full, they're just not fulfilled. Most people's lives are full, but most people's lives aren't fulfilled. And we're full, right? We are full of busyness, we're full of activity, and I'm just going to be honest with you, much of it we can't avoid. <laughs> I got to work because <laughs> I like to eat, Amen. Right? There are things that I have to do as a husband. There are things that I have to do as a father. I have responsibilities that I cannot avoid. 
And if I'm going to be a good, godly Christian man, then I must not avoid those responsibilities. I must fully embrace those responsibilities. And sometimes the more you love Jesus and the more you embrace the responsibilities of life in Christianity, the more full your life becomes. But guess what? Your life can be full and be fulfilled if you make room for Jesus. And it really is as simple as you and I committing that every day I've got to make room for the God of hope. I've got to make room. How do I do that? Well, I do that a thousand different ways. I do that through prayer. I do that through worship. I do that through just quiet, intimate time with God. I do that through serving God. I do that through going to church. I do that through all the different things that allow my heart to be enlarged to make room for Jesus. Now, I shared with you guys earlier that I'm a, I wake up positive. I'm a morning person. I love my life. But every now and then, I'll get grouchy and ill. And when I get grouchy and ill, Kelly always has the same remedy for my life every single time. When I get grouchy and ill, she will look at me and she will say, you need to go spend some time with Jesus. Every time. You need to go spend some time with Jesus. Why? Because she knows that when I begin to become grouchy and ill or frustrated or discouraged, all those things are indicators that I have not been making enough room in my heart and in my life for the King of kings and the Lord of lords who is the God of hope. Right? Now let me tell you what happens every time I do that. Every time I go make room for him, you know what happens? He fills my heart with hope. Every time. My attitude adjusts, right? My focus readjusts, and the things that I love and the, and the person I believe God's called me to be all of a sudden rises back to the top of my life. Why? Because I made room for Jesus. How many of you realize that in those moments in my life when I do that, circumstantially nothing has changed, but supernaturally everything has changed because hope is an inside job. And if I'm going to be filled with hope, I'm going to have to make room for Jesus. Make room in my life, make room in my schedule, make room in my world. Let me just say this with you, and we're going to get ready to pray together. We are unique creatures in the sense that you can have hope in one area of your life, and be totally hopeless in another area of your life. You can be hopeful about your marriage and hopeless about your finances. You can be hopeful about church and what God is doing there and be hopeless about your job and what's happening at work every day. See, we are, we are complicated creatures. But this is what I know. I know that the area of your life that is the most hopeless is the area of your life that you need to make room for Jesus in. And if you'll just begin to make room for God in that area of your life, make room for God in your finances, make room for God in your relationships, make room for God in your marriages, make room for God on your job. If you'll just begin to make room for Jesus in that hopeless area of your life, guess what will happen? The God of hope will show up. 
and the gift of hope will begin to abound in your heart by the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, even though circumstantially things may not immediately change, supernaturally everything will change as God divinely deposits the gift of hope on the inside of you. So let's bow our heads this morning. Maybe you're here today and you've never truly accepted Jesus, the God of hope, as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've been standing on the outside kind of looking in. Maybe you're here today checking out this Jesus thing. But maybe today you realize the thing you need more than anything is hope. I'm just going to tell you, hope externally won't last. But there is a wellspring of life. Jesus said, I can give you living waters that will never run dry. There is a God of hope, and his name is Jesus. And he wants to give you the gift of hope. He told Jeremiah, the prophet, he says, I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you, to give you a future and a hope. Jeremiah 29, 11. That's what God has planned for every person here today, a future and a hope that can only be found through, first of all, a personal relationship with Jesus. So if you're here today, you say, Pastor Keith, I've never truly accepted Christ. I've never surrendered my life to follow Him as my Lord and Savior, and I want to do that today. I want to be saved. Jesus called it being born again. I want to be born again today. I want the God of hope to come and live in my life, to forgive me of my sins and lead me into the future and the hope that He has for me. And today I want to pray and ask Him to come into my heart and life and be my Lord and Savior. If that's you, I want you to be really bold right now and just stand to your feet. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want you just to stand up and say, today, I want to ask the God of hope to come into my heart and my life. I want to ask Jesus to forgive me of my past and lead me into the future and the hope that He has for me. If that's you this morning, today is the day of salvation. The Bible says now is the appointed hour. The God of hope can become your God, your Lord, your Savior, and ultimately your closest friend. But you got to make room for Him today. you got to make room for the King. If the innkeeper had only known who Jesus was, if he had only known the gift that God wanted to give, he would have made room. How about you today? You've never truly trusted the Lord, but today you want to make room in your heart for Jesus to become the Lord of your life. I want to give you just a couple more seconds to stand, and then we're going to pray over everyone that's here today. So right now, if you want to stand to accept Christ, do that all over this building. Just take a bold step of faith. Today I want to make room. I want to make room. I want to make room in my heart. Jesus. If you're seated here today, I hope that means you're a Christian. I hope that means that you've already trusted the Lord. And I want to encourage you in this today. Let's make a decision this morning. Let's settle something in our hearts that we're going to refuse to allow this Christmas season to cause us to be so hurried and so busy and so distracted that we stop making room for the King of kings and the Lord of lords.
Let's settle in our hearts today. God, today I'm going to make room for you in every day of my life because you're the God of hope. And I want to make room for you. If there's an area in your life today that maybe you've lost hope, I want to encourage you right now. I'm going to pray over you. And as I pray over you, I want you to invite the God of hope into that circumstance. I want you to invite him into your marriage, into your own heart, into your own mind, into your business, into your finances, into your world. Just invite him in. Say, Jesus, I want to make room for you right now. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, as I pray over your people today, I thank you, Lord, today that we are your sons and your daughters. We are the sheep of your pasture. We are the apples of your eye. Lord, I thank you that you love us, that you care for us, that you delight in us, and that you literally rejoice over us today with singing. Lord, today I declare that the God of hope would fill our hearts. Lord, this morning we ask you to forgive us for being so full of the world that we haven't made room for you. Forgive us for being so busy and so hurried through our lives that we haven't made room for you. So, Lord, this morning we invite you in to every hopeless, broken place in our life. And, God, we invite you into every area of our lives today. May the God of hope cause the hope of God to abound in us today by the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, supernaturally release hope. Supernaturally release hope in every heart and in every life. And let every person today be filled with hope through your Son, Jesus Christ. And we ask it today in Jesus' name. Amen.